Well, hello. <laughs> My name is Alex. It is so good to see you again. Uh, and online, too. Hello. My name is Alex. It, uh, for those of you who are new today, or you've been gone for most of the summer, uh, I have too. Uh, I just took an eight-week sabbatical, and today's my first Sunday back. And I'm pretty sure I'm still the lead pastor here at Chatham Community Church, unless I changed while I was away. <laughs> a vote on that or something? Okay. Uh, I Listen, I am so very grateful for the time away. I mean, so many people, staff, volunteers, people who came in and, and filled in on Sunday mornings. So many people gave so much in order to sort of free me up to go and uh, take this time away uh, to be with the Lord and be with my family. I went into sabbatical wanting to do some soul work. How do I head into the next season of life as healthy as I possibly can be? I even got a coach that the church paid for to ask me all the great annoying questions I didn't want to deal with. To see, we're going to turn over every rock to see if there's any squiggly things underneath. And it turns out if you ask God to show you squiggly things, he's going to show you squiggly things. And after uh, spending the last several weeks, uh, particularly the last month, just coming to the Lord with the things that I want to grow in, to feel how good God is, I'm, I, I am more committed than ever and believe more deeply than ever that God is good. And his grace chases us down, pursues us every season, every day of our lives. And anything in our lives that's sort of misaligned, no matter how well-intentioned, takes us away from the goodness and the grace of God that we just sang about. And so I just come back here so uh, grateful to the Lord uh, for his grace and mercy, so grateful for y'all, this community, the people I get to be a part of, the work I get to do. Just life is just covered with so much grace, so many gifts, and I'm just so grateful and aware of those things. So thank you, thank you, thank you for the time away. And as, I'm, as I've come back just on Monday, I started, and I've been getting up to speed, and all that's happened since I've been gone, like, Two services. Who knew? Dunka, thanks so much for letting me know about that. <laughs> Hadn't heard till just now. Shocker. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, late last spring, we looked at particularly the parking lot and said, you know, some Sundays, not every Sunday, but some Sundays, it's so packed to the parking lot that people actually drive around and leave. Like, they're just frustrated. They can't stay. So uh, we're going to roll out uh, two services as we go into the fall, people coming back in from vacation, and we'll just see how it goes. We're going to take a, give it a few months to see how things goes. And the idea is this. We want to create a parking space for your neighbor, your family member, your friend. I'm inviting two neighbors from my neighborhood to come join us, fall kickoff in a couple weeks. Is there someone that God has in your life that you can invite to come join us? August 28th, uh, as we kick off back to school season and all those kind of things. Uh, we're going to try this for a couple months, like I said, and there's be kind of two critical things we'll sort of evaluate as we go along. One is just, do we have critical mass for two services? Because this is a great-sized room, and if you've got like 20 people in here, it's kind of painful and awkward. So we won't do that if it's like painful and awkward. Uh, endlessly. And then the second thing is, is it sustainable from a volunteer perspective? As we go to two services, we really do need folks to sort of jump in and help serve and be a part of things. And so if you've been here for a while, a couple months, and you haven't yet found a place to serve, today is your lucky day. Do you know what we get to do here? We get to create a space for people to have a life-changing relationship with God and a life-changing relationship with beautiful people just like you. How awesome is that, huh? And so listen, if you haven't found a place to plug in and you've been here for a while, kids, hospitality, food, drink, uh, the welcome team, even music or tech, we would love, love, love to help you find a place to serve, to help create the space for people to have a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And so we invite you to come. Next Sunday, 9 o'clock and 10.30, right, Dunka? 9 and 10.30, is that what you said? Dunka's made like an executive decision up here, 9 and 10.30, yes? All right, 
9 and 10.30. Thank you so much. And remember, 9 o'clock is full Chatham Kids, 10.30, uh, just uh, infants and toddlers, uh, and that's going to be uh, exciting. Then in two weeks, August 28th, we have our big back-to-school bash, bounce houses, uh, Maple View ice cream, all that kind of stuff. We'll be praying for our friends and teachers, and we're sending out a postcard to 30,000 of our closest friends. Say, come celebrate with us. And so what we're going to do before we send that postcard out to 30,000 of our closest friends, we're going to spend a couple weeks in August getting really clear. What are we about here? Why are we here? What's our mission? What's our vision? What's Jesus' heart for the church and for the world? And how do we participate in that mission, in that vision, in that heart? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that in some ways sets the tone and is the driving plot line for the entire Bible. Listen, the Bible is a big book. It's very confusing. Some of it's like, this was like a jumbled up mashup of all kinds of stories and random letters and those sort of things. But what we're going to look at today is the promise on page 12 of the Bible that drives the whole storyline. There's a promise God makes on page 12 of the Bible that sets the whole plot line and the whole storyline for the entire rest of the Bible to the very last page of the Bible. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at that, we're going to look at that promise that God makes because that's the promise that we get to participate in. And if we forget that promise, if we forget why we're here, you know what we do is we devolve into arguing over stupid things. We devolve into thinking that the church is about politics culture wars, or checking every little theological box down to like the nitnoid of whatever. And listen, all those things matter, right? Politics matters, culture wars matter, the theology, all that stuff matters, but that's not why the church exists. They're secondary things. And so today we're going to camp out on the promise on page 12 of the Bible that runs from page 12 to the very last page of the Bible. And we're going to basically walk through from Genesis to Revelation in about 30 minutes, and I'm not going to talk faster. We're going to go from Genesis to Revelation and pull this line, this storyline, all the way through the promise on page 12 that runs the whole gamut of redemptive history, what God's doing all throughout Scripture. So if you're new to the Bible, so glad you're here. Genesis 1, very beginning of the Bible, it starts off where God creates everything. It's good, it's good, it's good. Genesis 3, sin enters the whole story. The whole thing devolves. We got the first murder within a few verses of sin entering the picture. So what you have from Genesis 3 to Genesis 12 is a series of restarts as God creates and then it kind of sputters along and God tries to restart. We restart, restart. Maybe if you know Noah and the flood, that's in there. That's one of the restarts. There's several restarts from Genesis 3 to Genesis 12. But you get to Genesis 12 and that's God's final restart. It's what God's going to do to roll back the curse of sin and do something in the world that he created and that he Love. So in Genesis 12, uh, a call comes to a guy named Abram. He's also called Abraham. His name gets changed to Abraham later, so we we'll use those interchangeably. Abram gets his promise, and he's 75 years old, so he's a young guy, you know, young guy. And God speaks this promise to him and gives him a call, and his life's going to drive the whole rest of the biblical story. Here's the call to Abram, Genesis 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. All right, so it's summertime. Let's talk about summer vacation personalities, shall we? 
Some of you have a summer vacation personality that likes to map out every moment of every day. You've got the spreadsheet, the hour by hour, moment by moment. You've got a plan. You know what you're going to do. You're gonna, you know where you're going. You know the excursions you're going to do. You know where you're going to meet. If, you go to, if you're a Disney file especially, you've got the sequence of rides you're riding as you melt in the Orlando sun. Right? You know those people, right? The scheduled planner vacation. We know what we're about. Others of you... You're going to show up at a town, show up at a park, whatever, and you'll just see what happens, right? No schedule, no plan. Now, listen, I don't think there's any right or wrong unless you're married to someone who's different from you, in which case you're definitely wrong. I don't know what Abram's vacation personality was, but here's the deal. He gets a call on his life. No map, no plan, no schedule. God just says, go, and I'll tell you as you go what's happening next. Go. Leave everything that's familiar to you and set out on this crazy adventure from your family, from what's familiar. It's a call to quote the great Elsa from, uh, from Frozen into the unknown without any clear direction, just a promise. See, 12 chapters before this, God started creation by speaking. And in Genesis chapter 12, his final act of redemption is going to be kicked off by his speaking a promise. The call was to go in a culture, in a time, when you didn't go, you stayed. Generations upon generations lived together, especially if you established wealth, got some land, found a good piece of land. Like, you stayed and stayed and stayed for generations. People didn't travel. They didn't leave home. They didn't go off to college. They just stayed right where they were. And he says, go. And for those of you who like to have a plan, if this call came to you, you'd be getting twitchy right about now. But I want to pause here because I want to name something that I think is true. In our lives, in the world, as we're gonna, if we're going to be people who follow God, and this is this, that our participation in God's redemptive plan often involves us leaving what's familiar to follow God into the unknown. Our participation in God's desire to redeem the world and redeem you often comes with a call to leave what's familiar and to follow God into something that you don't know where it's gonna go. You have no idea where it's gonna lead. And have you ever heard that call before? Ever experienced that call before? A sense of God calling you into the unknown? Nothing wrong with where Abram is. Got a good family, got a good life. It's all pretty established, pretty good. And yet God says, I want you to leave what's good because I got something better for you. I've got something better for you that I want you to participate in. The call into the unknown comes to all of us who wanna follow God, but I wanna particularly name, for those of you who are here who aren't Christians, or kind of maybe coming back to faith after some time away. If, especially if you're an adult. If you're an adult, you got a life. you got values, you got priorities, you got a thing that's kind of running. And maybe that machine is running just fine for you. Or maybe that machine has fallen apart and your values and your life is sort of in a train wreck in a heap. And maybe that's why you're here. But you've got a life that's kind of humming right along. And God says to you, I know you think that what you got is fine, but i got something better for you. I want you to leave what's familiar. I want you to displace. It doesn't mean necessarily leave your job or leave your family, whatever, or move. It just means I want you to reorder your life. I want you to demote these things that have been valuable to you and put them as secondary, and I want you to follow me into the unknown. That's the call that comes to those of you who are adults who are considering faith for the first time or for the first time in a long time. But that invitation doesn't stop there when you become a Christian, right? Anytime we sort of follow Jesus over a lifetime of faith, there's going to be a call at different points to leave things behind, again, to, to demote certain things, to put God's sort of uh, priorities in place. For the, Some of us, it's going to be called to like, hey, sometimes God's going to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, your money's a little too important to you. Hey, your career, a little too important to you. Even a good thing like your family, I might be a little too important to you. 
Are you willing to demote certain things that you're familiar with, comfortable, maybe are working for you in order to put God first, to be a participant in his story, to follow him into the unknown? All kinds of pastors and missionaries have had the story where they've been on one track and God said, I want you to leave what you know, leave the track you're on and go to another nation or go and take up a different calling. All kinds of people in the business world or just kind of volunteer, whatever, get a call, tap on the shoulder. I want you to leave what's familiar. I want you to start a new nonprofit. I want to do something new through you. All kinds of people throughout history have gotten this call to dig deeper into faith, scripture, prayer, not knowing where it might lead, what God might do with it. Our participation in God's majestic, beautiful work of redemption often includes or requires us to leave what's familiar, what's comfortable, to follow him into the unknown. And if you're hearing that call today, welcome to the club. Millions of people before you have heard that exact same call on their lives and have said yes to that call with a promise that with the sacrifice comes blessing and they're willing to do it. My prayer, my prayer for all of you this morning who have a sense of God calling you to something new is that you might have courage to follow him into the unknown. God gives Abraham no map, but he does give him a, a promise. And here's the promise. Let's look at that one more time. Genesis 12, verse 2 says this, I'll make you to a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So as we look at this, I want to say, first off, who's the primary actor here? Who's the primary actor? God is. We're talking about Abram's calling, there's sacrifice, he has to move, he has to go somewhere. But man, the primary actor, the primary mover is God. I will make you to a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will make sure you're a blessing. I will bless you and I will curse those who curse you. We'll come back to that in a little bit. And finally, world blessing domination shall come through Abram. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you, Abram, because God has committed himself to doing this great thing. We've been focused in on Abram, but let's zoom in on God. What is God's heart to all peoples? God's heart to all peoples? That all peoples will be blessed. That's God's heart. You have never met a human being that God does not want to bless. Not even the family member who drives you crazy. Not even when you're the family member who drives everyone else crazy. You've never met a human being on this earth, and you'll never meet another human being on this earth that God is not eager to bless. We'll talk more about the definition of that blessing here in a little bit. But God's posture to the world, to the nations, is that all peoples might be blessed. And there's this covenant with Abram. That's the final restart in Genesis chapter 12. This is God's plan. This is God's agenda for the whole rest of the Bible, that all nations and all peoples might be blessed. This is what God wants to do. And here's how God's going to do it. He's going to pour his blessings through a human, Abram, and it's gonna go from human to human to human to bless one another. But let's pause here and just note that flow of blessing doesn't always flow so naturally or easily, does it? Would you say that blessing is primarily what we're doing on Twitter right now? Or Facebook, or on your neighborhood listserv? Boy, aren't we just overwhelmed with how we're blessing each other? Whew, so much blessing, turn it down a little bit. Blessing is not the primary marker of human relationships, is it? So God designs this thing where he wants us to be blessing each other, wants Abram and all the peoples to be blessing each other through other people, and yet it doesn't quite work out so well. I want to say there's two primary blockages. There's more, but there's two primary ones that, that block this flow of blessing that God wants to pour into us. The two, two, two primary block, blockages of sin are our own sin and the world's resistance to God's blessing. Let's take those out kind of one at a time. Our sin is one of the blockages to God's blessing. When we sin, we cut ourselves off from God's blessing and we stop ourselves from being a conduit of God's blessing, right? Sin, 
my selfishness, my pride. I get tired and cranky. Probably never happens to you. Happens to me sometimes. Our sin, our ego, our insecurity, our anxiety, our jealousy, gossip. These, are, these things obstruct the flow of blessing that's supposed to flow through us to other people. And you'll see that Abram is a deeply flawed character. You read Abram's story. He's a hot mess multiple times for the, after this promise. So this is a very odd thing that God wants to do. God, God says, I want to bless all peoples through these broken, messy people. Why is that? Why not, why not just cut out the middleman? Why doesn't God just appear to everybody in every generation, just like he does to Abram, and say, I want to bless the whole world through you. Go and do this. Why work through messy human beings? Here's my proposal. God, in the beginning, creates human beings in his image. And the whole point of making human beings in his image is that they may be a conduit of his grace, his truth, his beauty, his blessing to each other and to the created order. God sets the world up. He, he designs a program. He makes the game, the world. He designs the game for image bearers to, be, to, to pour out his goodness through your personality, my personality. That's the game God wants to win. God is going to bless the world through his image bearers, made in his image. You have been loaded up with potential to bless everyone around you. That's how you're wired up. That's what every human being is wired up to do to have potential to bless one another. God's going to win that game. But there's all these things that block that flow. And so one of the things we've got to do if we're going to be a participant in this great covenant is this. We've got to do the work of confession and repentance. If you don't have some sort of ongoing practice where you acknowledge places where you sin and struggle and fall short, then what happens is you start to stink. The, the clog starts to back up. The flow of blessing cannot flow through you. And so there's an invitation in the scripture to confess and acknowledge our sin. Now listen, 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 listen. Because if some of us, when you hear that, all you hear is guilt and shame and guilt and shame and guilt and shame. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking about the fact that you're a human being and you don't feel bad for the fact you have to take a shower every 24 to 48 hours, do you? Do you feel guilty and shameful that you have to take a shower every 24 hours? I hope not. And I hope you do shower regularly, by the way. You don't feel bad about showering because after a few days, bodies stink. That just happens because you're a human. Your soul is embodied and your soul starts to stink after a few days if you don't confess. Ask God to clean it out. No guilt, no condemnation, just honesty. God, I sinned against you and against this person. I, uh, there's a great old prayer that, that I pray on the regular. God, I sinned against you in thoughts, motives, in words, what I said, in deed, in what I've done and left undone. Thoughts, words, deeds, done, undone. God, I've sinned against you in any number of categories. Would you just wash that away so that the flow of grace might come to me and the flow of grace might flow through me? Today, I want to invite you after church tonight before you go to bed, I want you just to open yourself up to God as a human being. No guilt, no shame, not piling on, no excuses, no justification. No like, well, they said that, so that's why I said that. Like, none of that, none of that, none of that. Just simple. God, here's some things I thought, said, did left undone. Would you forgive me? I want to walk in a better way, healthier way. Take you three minutes, five minutes, travel lighter, live freer, sleep better, receive the grace and blessing of God, and be an instrument of the grace of God. That's your homework. Do a little prayer confession, three minutes, five minutes. Do the work of taking that spiritual shower and see if the blessing might flow through you. But even when we're rooted in God, like in a really good place spiritually, blessing isn't always well-received, is it? The world isn't always eager to receive God's blessing. And God talks about this to Abram. Abram, 
Whoever blesses you, I'm gonna bless. Whoever curses you, I'm gonna curse. Like God says, I'm gonna curse some people. And for some of you, you're like, yes, get them, God. A few of you, you've got a list of people you'd love for God to curse, right? This person, that person, right? You've got the list. More of us, though, I think, read this and be like, uh, like this is the God that you don't like, the side of God, right? The angry Old Testament God kind of vibe, right? This is the thing that like, is hard for some of us about God's character. His judgment is a hard thing. Here's why, here's why the promise that God's gonna curse people is such a gift to you and to me. It takes us out of the cursing business. You weren't made to curse. You were made in God's image to bless. And anytime you try to force curses through an image bearer that was only made to bless, it deforms you, it misshapes you, it destroys you. If you've ever known someone who spent their whole life or some season of life trying to prove something to someone who cursed them, a parent, a coach, a teacher, trying to get revenge on someone, do you see how much it corrupts their souls? They become a curse, you become a curse. When you respond to someone else's curse on you by responding in kind, God wants you out of the cursing business. So he says, you know what? I got that. Let me take care of it. You, you weren't made to curse. When you try to do it, it's horrible for you. It's horrible for you, horrible for your family, horrible for your community. It's horrible for you. And when someone curses you, it needs to be, something needs to be done about it. Like there needs to be judgment. Something does have to be done, but you are not the right person to deal with it. God's got this. Let's get you out of the cursing business. Because you got better things to do with your life. Let God take care of those who have cursed you and how they've treated you, how they've talked about you. Let God take care of that so that you can get on with your life. Don't waste another minute of your life responding to someone who's cursed you in any way, shape, or form. Be free. Be free. Be free. Let God have the last word over them and over you. Let him take care of the cursing. You. Go live faith, hope, and love. God's goal, he, how he designs the world, to bless other people through other people. But there's problems with that. There's sin in us. The people, there's, there's mess all around us. People don't always accept God's blessing. They want, they come to curse and response. And you know what, God, God looks down on the mess of like our imperfection and the, the world's rejection. He's like, you know what? I can work with that. Let's go. God's like, I see that mess. It doesn't bother me. Let's go. I'm still going to win this game. I still want to run it this way. I know this is messy. I know it's not efficient. I don't care. We're going to run this. So God gives Abram this call. Go. And Abram, remarkably, he goes. He's an old dude. He goes. And Abram's story, if you follow Abram's story, it unfolds in kind of a quiet way for decades. He's got no kids. Finally, as a kid, super, super old. This is not exactly like world blessing domination. It's like I barely eke out a kid at like super old age. And then that kid has another family and they kind of grow into a medium-sized family. And then they get carted off into Egypt. There's a famine. And then while they're in Egypt for several hundred years, they grow and they grow and they grow and they're enslaved in Egypt and they cry out to God and God delivers them. And they're the nation of Israel. And God says to them, you are the inheritance of this promise. Through you, all nations will be blessed. Israel is to be a light to the nations. And they never live up to that call. They never live up to the call, the invitation to be a conduit of blessing to all the nations. For centuries, they struggle and struggle and struggle. And then comes Jesus. And when Matthew sits down to write the Jesus story, to write his biography, you know where Matthew starts? A genealogy, yay! We love biblical genealogies, right? That's so much fun, so much fun. But here's the deal, Matthew is the most Jewish of all four of the gospel writers. And he knows the only way the Jesus story makes sense is if it's located in Abraham's promise. 
And so in Matthew chapter one, he sets from the very first line, very first verse, the good news that Jesus is in the line of Abraham, the fulfillment of the thing that God said he was gonna do. Matthew one verse one says this, this is the wonderful genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Son of David, we'll come back to that in a little bit, the son of Abraham. Verse two, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, yada, yada, yada. Dozens of great names. Matthew goes to verse 17 and summarizes it this way. 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to exile to Babylon, 14 from the exile to the Messiah. So what you've got is this, the account of the whole biblical story. This is the whole Bible story. Okay, whole Bible story in one nutshell. God makes this, APB, all people blessed to Abraham. That's the, that's the promise. All people will be blessed through you. From there, it goes to the Kentucky Fried Chicken blessing to David, KFC. And David's very important because David's like Abraham's great, 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 great grandson. And God piles on another promise to him. He says, listen, you're going to have a king forever on the throne from your line. King forever. That's the Kentucky Fried Chicken blessing, KFC. Kentucky Fried King Forever Covenant is what I mean to say. So you got all people blessed, and there's going to be a king forever. Then you got the exile, which is a whole different sermon, and it's a beautiful picture of how God uses the dark times in our lives. And then Jesus fulfills both those promises. He is both the one through whom all peoples will be blessed. He is the king on the throne forever and ever and ever. Amen. Finally, finally, there's one perfect image bearer through whom God's blessing is poured without any clogging. No sin, no obstruction. Nothing gets in the way of Jesus blessing all the nations. He follows God perfectly every second of every day. He learns it. He goes up into it. But he is the perfect image bearer who pours out the blessing to a broken, weary world. And Matthew closes his account with the same nod to Abraham call, the promise to Abraham. Matthew closes this in chapter 28, the only one who has this command from Jesus. The resurrected Jesus comes to the disciples and says to them, all authority of heaven and earth given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So now you have another piece of the covenant storyline, the storyline of the whole Bible. All people's blessed covenant goes to Abraham, then to David, then to Jesus, and Jesus passes that covenant on to the church. He says the church is to be a blessing delivery community. That's what we're here to do. Wouldn't that be awesome if that was our title, if people knew us that way? The church is to be a blessing delivery community. That's why we're here. The promise God makes to Abraham, all people will be blessed through this community. We are here to deliver on that. And to be clear, the disciples, they didn't want this, they didn't want this invitation. They didn't want to go to the nations. They didn't want to go to all peoples. But Matthew starts his whole story. This is the story of Abraham being fulfilled in Jesus and now picked up in the church. What is God's heart for all people, all nations, that they'll all be blessed? Now, here's the thing. Blessing is kind of a fuzzy word, right? Like, I got all kinds of ways of, like, God to bless me that God says, I don't want anything to do with that, right? I got my own agenda for God's blessing, my own way I like to define God's blessing, and God's got his own agenda. So here's what I'm saying. When Jesus here is, is giving his command to his disciples, he crystallizes what blessing actually means. He makes it more concrete. Here's the picture from the Great Commission. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and I'm with you always. Like, the, here's, the, here's the Great Commission, right? Here's the deal. How are we a blessing to the nations? How are we a blessing to all people? How are you a blessing to your coworkers, your neighbors? Listen, all peoples are blessed when we're living as disciples of Jesus. That's what people are blessed. All people are blessed 
when you and I are doing everything we can to integrate the Jesus way, Jesus life into our lives. Jesus gives us these things in, the, in that great commission, a couple, three key things he says that, mean, that, 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 that concrete, make concrete what it means to be a blessing to your friends, your neighbors, and to all peoples. The first thing he says is this, be reconciled to God, celebrated in bapti- baptism, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Baptism is that washing away of our sins, the celebration of being reconciled to God. How are we to bless the nations, bless all peoples? How are you supposed to bless your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your classmates, fellow students? You bless them by declaring the good news. Your sin no longer stands in the way of God's blessing. God's washed that away in Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you have not yet been baptized, you've not yet been reconciled to God, I urge you on Jesus' behalf, in Jesus' name, be reconciled to God. God made Jesus, who had no sin, to carry your sin on him so that in Jesus Christ, you and I might become the righteousness of God, the blessing of God, right where God puts us, right where God sends us. Be reconciled to God. That's the first good news blessing we bring to the nations, to the people all around us. The second thing Jesus says in the Great Commission to his disciples is not just make disciples, not just sort of go baptize, but make disciples. We're apprenticing under Jesus. We're learning from the manufacturer, the manufacturer's instructions for how to be human. We're strong enough to be humble. We, are, we know that we're loved enough to, self, to be self-sacrificial. We're not living by ego. We're not living by the demands of the culture. We see, we're, we're spiritually wise enough or we're growing in wisdom enough to see through the lies uh, the, uh, of sin, the world, the flesh, the devil. We say, no, there's no life. There's no life. There's no life in me building my life around my own appetites. I'm building my life around Christ. On the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. We apprentice under Jesus. That's a lifetime of learning how to integrate life so that we're living in faith, hope, love, wisdom, courage, learning to live in that way. We apprentice under Jesus. That's how we are a blessing and how we invite others into the blessing. And finally, we go. We invite people to go and we go ourselves. We go wherever God sends us to serve, to love. Sometimes it's just taking one step toward a family member, a coworker. Sometimes it's actually to go to the nations, to go travel, to go and be a part of this blessing being fulfilled, this covenant being worked out to all peoples. My friends, all peoples are blessed when we live as disciples of Jesus. And, and, and that the, we concretize that in Jesus' command to go make disciples, baptizing them, and knowing that Jesus is with us every step along the way. Matthew opens with the good news. Jesus is the grandson of Abraham. He closes with Jesus giving the disciples the same call that God gave Abram. Go! You don't know where you're going. You don't know what it's going to look like. Just go. I'm with you. Trust me, and let's see what God does. And then, finally, on the very last page of the Bible, very, very last page of the Bible, we get a picture of the redemption of all things. And there's a whole lot of things about Revelation that we can talk about and dispute about or whatever, but what's not disputable is that it connects, it touches all people groups, all ethnos, all nations, everywhere. And in Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, we get this beautiful picture of a city, the city of God, the new Jerusalem, that's come down onto earth. And here's the picture of that new Jerusalem, what's in it and what God's gonna do there. The fact that God dwells in it and is present with us here on earth. Here's the picture, Revelation 22, verse 22. I'm sorry, this is actually verse one. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, 
bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the what? The nations. Which nations? All of them. You know why? Because God said to Abraham, through you and your offspring, all peoples, all nations will be blessed. And the leaves on this tree are for the healing of the nations. Do you think our nation could use some healing right about now? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Would you heal our nation with these powerful leaves from the tree of life? Let's finish out our timeline. We've got the all people's blessed covenant coming in to Abraham, goes to David, goes to Jesus, goes to the church to be a blessing delivery community, and then the culmination of all things, the picture of the finish of all things after the, after the end of time. All things are healed to the power of God. All the nations, all the ethnos, all the people are touched. And yes, some people resist that blessing to the very end. And Revelation has strong things to say. Jesus has strong things to say about people who are gonna resist the blessing of God to the very end. That's included in there. But that does not mean that God's heart is not for their blessing. That blessing is made evident and made known and people either accept that or reject that. But the invitation is to know the joy of the blessing of Jesus, the good news of his love. My friends, we are here in the great redemptive timeline of history. We are here to be Chatham Community Church, a blessing delivery community. Why, does, why do we exist? We exist in part because of a promise and generations that came before us that believed the promise, that heard the call to go. We're here thousands of miles from Jerusalem when this whole thing started because generation upon generation of people have heard the call to go and make disciples. We're only here singing about the grace of God, knowing the grace of God, resting in his mercy and his love and his justice and his truth because people before us have gone before us and paved the way, offered a great sacrifice to themselves. It's our turn, this generation, this time. We step into that call to go and we're a part of bringing the grace of God, the promise of God, the love of God. God, we call people to be, to be reconciled to God. We invite them to be apprentices of Jesus. And then we echo the call that we might all go to be a part of God's great work. And as we get ready for a new fall, a new school year, I want to invite us to be a part of this promise. We take our spot. We hook our lives and our whole church community into this great promise through Abraham's children and through that mission. All peoples on earth are going to be blessed. We get to do that. We get to be a part of that. As we close today, a few wildly important take-homes. I know you missed us so much while I was gone. Our participation in God's work of redemption often requires us to leave us familiar, what's comfortable, and follow him into the unknown. What would it look like for you to do that today? What do you need to do to be ready to follow, to follow God's call into the unknown? Some of you are hearing prompts. You feel, you feel calls. You feel kind of this, this urge, this tugging, that God's calling you into something new. Maybe you have no idea what that looks like. And this, you know what? That's totally great. That's totally fine. That's totally normal. Follow him into the unknown. I'm praying for you today that you have the courage and the strength to do that. Secondly, to be instruments of blessing requires a couple of ongoing works. One, that we do the ongoing work of confession, right? I'm going to invite you to sort of do that little exercise. Three minutes, five minutes. God, here's the places where I know that I've sinned against you and against other people. Thoughts, words, deeds. Here's what I've done. Here's what I've undone. No shame, no guilt, because in Christ Jesus there's no condemnation. In Christ Jesus, we're just being honest before God, asking him to wash us clean, live a little freer, travel lighter, sleep deeper, clear out the, clear out the clutter so grace might flow to you, and through you. So we confess and repent, and we also work really hard to not respond to those who curse us with cursing. We let God be in the cursing business. You got better things to do with your life. We take our peace, our rest. We allow God to be the judge. Finally, well, thirdly, we're here to participate in the all people's blessed covenant. That's what we're here to do. That in Christ Jesus, people are reconciled to God, invited to apprentice under him, learn under him, and then to go, to go and be people who are instruments of the same promise, the same blessing. What does it look like for you today? Where has God put you? And what stage are you in? Some of you need to be baptized. Like, that's where you are. 
some of you, you're apprenticing and learning, and you haven't really taken following Jesus very seriously. Is that really a part of your life? Is that how, does it change how you treat your kids or your spouse or how you do your work? Is that really integrated? You're not really praying. And some of you just need to work on that apprenticing thing, and some of you need to go. Like, God's put you on your kid's soccer team or in that school or at your workplace in order that you might go one step over to the next cube or the next door neighbor and say, hey, I, I, I love you, and do you have any kind of spiritual history? Do you have any kind of church background? Do you have any kind of faith background? Would you be interested in coming and seeing Mike? Can we share stories? Can we talk a little bit about kind of who God is and who God is to you and what God's done in my life? I want to invite you. Where, where, what's your next step in, this, in the space of being reconciled to God, apprenticing under Jesus, and going that sort of picture of what it means to be a blessing to all peoples? And then finally, what do you think it means for us as a church? What does it mean for us as a community to do this? I want to invite all of y'all to pray about that, think about that, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. What what does it mean for us? Fall 2022, we're so poised to do good in the community. We have got so much good stuff happening here. I'm so delighted in who God is and what God's doing here. What might he do in us and through us to help make a dent in Chatham County, to see what God might do? I want to invite you, I want to implore you to pray about that and join us. My, My friends, my prayer, my hope is that Chatham Community Church might be a blessing delivery community, that you might be a blessing delivery human being. That all peoples might be blessed through you and through us together so that God's kingdom might come. God's will might be done in Chatham County and beyond as it is in heaven. As that promise to Abram on page 12 of the Bible gets worked out right here, right now, in real time. May we take joy in hooking our lives into that great promise. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are good, your mercies endure forever, and your promises will come true. And so we want to lean into those promises, pray for the strength, the mercy, the grace to follow follow you into whatever you have for us this fall as a church and individually. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to receive the promise, to walk in that promise, and then to take the next step, whatever it looks like for us individually. And then for us as a church, Lord Jesus, would you lead us into this fall? knowing that you love us and are for us, and that you want to bless all peoples through us. Would we be open and willing to follow that call? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Why don't we stand for our last song together?